Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And uh, we're coming to you for another episode of Talking Charger. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, wait, no. Uh, hardcore? No, not that one. Church Planner Podcast? Is that Yay! the one? That's the one. And on today's episode of the Church Planner Podcast, we've got a very special interview lined up with Peyton Jones on so, his new book. Interesting. Oh, sorry. I got excited. I know. Um, in- interesting. I was talking to two millennials. Well, actually, is that the guy? He's not a millennial. He's younger than me, but he's not a millennial. Anyways, I was talking to two guys. We're doing these film if projects. If a millennial falls in the forest, does he make a noise? If who does? A millennial. Oh, they always make noise. Usually sarcastic noise. I think it's a trick question because they couldn't get an Uber to the forest. Oh, that's good. Where'd you get that from? I don't know. I just, I feel like going to war against millennials. Dude, seriously. Why is my Facebook, every time I send someone a text, it goes on my Facebook? This is weird. It's something you got set up in your Hootsuite. Is it? Maybe. It is, dude. It's weird. I don't know what's going on, but like, I was just telling a guy I was on Pacific Time. This is weird, man. I got to figure this stuff out. This is terrible. I thought it was funny when you said, uh, yeah, send me your email. And people were actually putting their email on Facebook for you. You know, I'm Rickrolling all of them, right? I'm setting up an email to go to them with a Rickroll. I like it. Yeah. So have you... Oh, hey, happy Star Wars Day. 
Oh, May the 4th, yes. By the time everyone's listening to it, May the 4th will be open. Oh, open. Over. It doesn't matter because I always celebrate Star Wars Day in my heart. Year-round. And tomorrow will be Revenge of the 5th. Nice. Nice. I yep. like that. Yep. Yep. And uh, I can't think of any other one. Return of the 6th? It doesn't work. That's the why six- I can't make these up. Yeah. So uh, on Star Wars Day, I have stormtroopers shooting lasers with my books on them. I have Darth Vader offering a copy of Reaching the Unreached, Becoming Raiders of a Lost Art, in the hands of no, Harrison Ford, which is ironic. Go on. The problem is with Luke Skywalker trying to run from Darth Vader's Reaching the Unreached book. Because he's yelling no in that scene. See, I Because think he, he doesn't had- know. He doesn't you know have Luke Skywalker with it trying to get away from Darth Vader. No, he misunderstood when Darth Vader was saying we can rule the galaxy together. What he really meant was we could reach the unreached together as father and son. He misunderstood it. It was a bad choice of words. Darth Vader meant, you know, rule, rule the, he didn't mean rule the galaxy like in a bad way. He meant like, let's, let's, you know, Fulfill the purposes of the maker of the universe. Yeah. That's what he was in. And Luke was like, no. I mean, you know, Luke, we know he was on the wrong because he threw himself down a hole, right? Like a little baby. Like, who does that? Like, I'm just going to jump down this hole and kill myself. You know he was off base. Darth Vader was in the right. He had my book in his hand. You can see it from the camera angle that I show it on. I um I disagree. That's what the next movie is about, though. See, what happens is Luke finally tells uh, Ray, okay, let me tell you about what happened on that dark day. And, like, Luke's on that island because he still can't forgive himself for not reading the book with his dad when his dad was alive. See, he found the book in Darth Vader's helmet when he was cleaning out, you know, he had to, like, take Vader's costume off and then burn him, which is kind of weird. But uh, he found the book in the suit and it said to Luke, my beloved son. It's too bad. He actually burned the costume with Vader in it. Yeah. Cause he was more machine than man by that point. Who took the helmet out of the burnt pile that you see in the next movie? No one did. They made it up. That's how you know that Lucas had something to do with <laughs> The new movies. <laughs> no, because it's a melted helmet. It's been melted. Someone it's, grabbed it. Look, you got that much fire. It's going to be a puddle, not just a little, you know, little squinch on the face. I'm just saying. Wow. Just saying. <laughs> I'm filled with much anger and angst. Yeah, you're not. You're not digging this, are you? No, no. But you know what? I'd like to talk about love if we could. I just have a, a general uh, brotherly love, I think, for everybody out there. In fact, that's the word I would use. Love. And I'm actually looking forward to seeing Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, you know, this weekend. That was kind of emotional for you. Well, there's that scene. It's the closest in it thing I've seen to emotion in you. That that was kind of impressive. I am good. There's that scene where, where he's like, the the one chick can like tell everyone's feelings, and she's like, 
you love her. Oh, yeah, I guess you could say that. I, I have a general feeling of love for everybody. No, sexual. <laughs> Just it was funny. Can't go there on this podcast, Pete. No. Well, I wasn't it really is, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is not suitable for a podcasting audience. I, you know, I still think we should have done that uh, podcast where we reviewed Hollywood movies. I know. It's been done by other people, just not w- as well as we would do. Yeah, it was not done by us. And let's say it was it, not done by us. Let's face it, we can talk about a lot of boring, meaningless stuff. Yeah. So, hey, guys, uh, this week's episode of the Church Planner Podcast is being brought to you by Reaching Unreached. The book above all books that should be read above all readings and heard above all audible files. I thought you were going to show it to the camera. Okay. You You were reaching for it, weren't you? You were reaching for it. (laughs) I always have it at hand, man. It's always like, you know, right there within reach. Uh, So I did an interview interview today for the book and... um, and I had the questions in advance, but you know me, right? I shoot from the hip. And and as they're asking the question, I'm like, oh, I got to turn to that. Because he's like, what are the uh, the things that we've substituted? I'm thinking, I can't remember most of what I wrote in this thing, right? So I'm like, as I'm on the phone, I'm hoping to get to that page before he finishes his question. So I can segue in. said on page 142. Yeah, I didn't say it like that. That would have been sophisticated. You know who I once heard talk about his book like that? And this is pretty impressive. There's a systematic theology, and it is a tome. I don't know how many pages. It's got to have like a 1,000 pages. And uh, Wayne Grudem, who is a theologian and a half, was quoting it on page 942, I said. Like, literally, dude. Guy was like an encyclopedia of his own book. Really? Yeah. Really? It was pretty cool. It was just impressive to, I heard him live. So he was there, believe it or not, this, this would have killed you. Um, he was there for a week talking about his book and people were just Q and A in him. And he was like, well, it's like I said, it was, it was kind of a once in a lifetime experience, but the entertainment value is watching this guy just master this thousand volume systematic theology book he'd written. Kind of impressive. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. That's. Yeah. Stupid crazy. It was it was stupid crazy. With but it was heavy and cray cray. You know, I, I I'm in a mood, man. I don't know what it is with me today on this, but uh, well, here's the problem, guys. You, you need to understand this. Peyton and I typically do our podcast as one of the first things in the morning. <laughs> this is another one of our afternoon podcasts, which means a lot of our funny has already left us. I, I'm not feeling the humor like we normally have. No. In fact, I actually feel felt the humor before we were on the call <laughs> about stuff we can't talk about on the podcast. <laughs> I felt the humor there. I got it. I, I don't have it now. I'm missing it. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty much the stupid right now is what you're getting from us because we're tired. And I get really stupid when I get tired. Maybe no we doubt. should just give them the content. Right, let's just head straight into the content then. All right. So, Peyton, I get to interview you on your book. Why did you write this book? <laughs> That's like the best flat affect ever for for any book interview. Kind of like the got to feel this this airtime. Here's the thing, guys. You got to understand this. Okay, so Peyton goes, "Oh yeah, you're going to interview me on today's podcast." I'm like, "Well, give me the questions," because 
as typical Peyton, I don't know what the book's about. I haven't read it. He hasn't given me any questions. I'm just supposed to know. Hey, I got 200 in the mail yesterday. I need to give you one. So, like, every time we used to interview someone for hardcore who wrote a book, like, the first question was, why did you write this book? And I'm like, that's the dumbest question ever. Because you just want the guy to go, because I wanted to get a paycheck. That's why I wrote the book. <laughs> yeah, I but. something to pay me. That's not the reason you write a book. That's totally the reason you write a book. No, that's the reason you write a book. That's not the reason I write a book. That's totally the reason I write a book. <laughs> that's why I just want someone to be truthful. Why well, I'm going to be truthful. Well, I was I, okay. to write the next purpose-driven I'll, I'll show you how it's done. I'm going to show you how it's done. This is like This is like the best book interview ever. Because <laughs> I'm being interviewed by my friend, so it's like... This isn't even serious, but it is serious. It's totally serious. Buy my book. No, for real. Buy, buy a case of them for your small groups. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, uh, Mr. Jones, Why did I write this book? Uh, tell us, what is the name of your book and uh, where it's available? Okay, now you're doing it right. So, the name of the book is Reaching the Unreached, Becoming Raiders of the Lost Art by Peyton Jones, forward by Alan Hirsch, afterward by Carrie Newhoff. Okay, I totally just read the cover. With absolutely no mentions from Pete Mitchell anywhere in, on, or around the book. Yeah, that kind of smarts a bit, huh? Will someone get this mine and ice pack? Because that burns at all for me. I literally <laughs> think one of the best moves you made was not asking me for anything for your book. No way, man. If I could go back in a time machine, I would just do it like to shut you up, man. I never have to hear it about it again. Pete, well, please endorse my book. <laughs> I want you to know that I actually wrote a thank you to you on the uh, dedication page on my next book. You did? Yeah. That's, that's how awesome. much you should hurt right now. Well, you're in the... You refer to me as the dude I do some crazy podcast with. You don't even mention my name. Are you serious? Do I say that? You don't even speak of me that highly. <laughs> okay. Now, this is... I'm seeing emotion again. I, I Now, I'm getting uncomfortable. Normally, you're the one uncomfortable with emotion. <laughs> Listen, here's here's where you are. You're in... The uh, dedication. Just so you know, listener, earlier today, uh, right before the podcast, actually, I downgraded our relationship from friendship status to just a couple of dudes who do a podcast together. I just want everyone to understand <laughs> where our relationship's at right now. Yeah, we, we, we need to stoke the flame, Pete. Need to, like, rekindle the old magic. Okay, uh, so. That makes me very uncomfortable. It really <laughs> I don't want to be stoking, <laughs> rekindling. I don't want to be doing any of that. Here, here you are. You're in here. <laughs> You're in my dedication to Refuge Long Beach. You taught me more about being on mission than I ever taught you. See? You're totally in there, dude. I'm, oh my gosh, dude. I'm not even the guy you do the podcast with. I'm Refuge Long Beach. You're Refuge Long Beach. It's like Negan. Who are you? Dude, I thought I'm that refuge Long Beach. this morning on uh, on the texting messages with Bonomo and and uh, Langham and you. I was dying inside. I was like, I don't know if these guys are finding this nearly as funny as I am. But like, I I just got to share this with everybody. So we had this texting system at Refuge Long Beach, and I was hooked up to my whole system and all that, which was awesome. And um. But I just assumed, I, I didn't know, but I assumed that they weren't using it. 
So I reach out to all of them, and I'm like, hey, guys, a uh, quick question for you. Is <laughs> Refuge Long Beach still using the oh. text to join for our email list? And uh, Bonomo's nice enough to respond. He's like, uh, you know, I thought that was something you were doing. Uh, we haven't talked about it in a long time. I'm like, yeah, I do have the system, but I wasn't sure if you guys were using it. You know, if you weren't, no need to pay for it, you dig? <laughs> so then Mike Bonomo responds, ah, yes. So then I respond back. I'm like, so is that, ah, uh, yes, you're using it? Or is that, ah, uh, yes, I get what you're saying, but I'm not going to tell you if we're using it because that would make your life simple. And I ain't in the Pete, make Pete's life simple <laughs> game. I just, I was dying when I wrote that, man. I just, I really was. It was funny for me. It made me chuckle. Hey, hey, that was funny. And all I know is that it is a great way to get your people on. Um, so I was telling them, you guys got to keep this, man. Don't, don't get rid of this. It's it you you text in and it it gets all their info, man. It's the best. Yeah, but they're not going to use it. That's why Lang was like, "Ah, uh, you can go no. ahead and turn it off because we'll we'll." No. Uh, yeah, that's what he said. No, he actually. I went and read it. I thought that at first, and I went back and read it. He goes, uh, "Abolish the old account and start a brand new one for us." Yeah, the, yeah, the, that's not what it said. Yeah, it did. What is it with us today? I don't know. We're 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 like we're, we're like that couple that we just need some time together. <laughs> you know what, Peyton? I didn't want to go. Never mind. I can't even go there. Okay, anyway. back to the book. Back to the book. Quick, the, quick, yeah, awkward okay. moment. Uh, so, Peyton, Oklahoma. Uh, <laughs> tell us why did this book need to be written besides the paycheck? Well, Pete, I wanted money, and I knew that Christian publishing was the way to go. Okay, okay, all seriousness now, because I really do want you to listen. Every pastor wants, okay, I'm getting serious now. This is for real now, okay? This is for real. Okay, so the warm-up anymore, Pete. It's not the practice. It's for real. I wanted every pastor or leader or church planner out there to have what they really want and or or what you should want, to reach lost people and to mobilize the people you lead to do the same. So, for example, like your church is in existence to fulfill the Great Commission. It's no reason you're here and you're not up kicking it in heaven for eternity. You're here because you're on mission. And so the book is really about reaching the unreached. Um, becoming raiders of a lost art is the way that we do it. Everybody here thinks that they know how to reach lost people. I see seminars, webinars, um, courses being offered. And they're not going to do it, man. It's like well, new and old churches, new, new and old, and 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 they're telling you, you know, how to do this, how to do that. And I see you, <laughs> I see what you're mouthing. Pete's mouthing the names of them, but but they'll tell you how to do a big launch. Yeah, how to how to have a big church and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, really, like somehow I I don't remember Jesus saying go out into all the world and have a big church. I don't think that's what he wanted. Um, I think he was kind of talking about like spreading to the ends of the earth. It was about the spread, not about the size. So my, my end of, end of that question is I wrote this because I think it's the message that the church needs. I think it's really, to be honest, I think it's the most important message. And the reason I would say that 
is that I, I come in at Acts 1-8. I talk about those were the marching orders, the last thing Jesus said to the church, except for Revelation 2 and 3. And I go through that and I say, look, Jesus is trying to write them back. And I still believe this is the message that he has for today. Get us back on track. You're struggling a bit there. Pete's holding his finger up. He's choking. Um, two syllables. <laughs> Wait, he's using the universal sign for choking. Um, okay. All right. Um, I actually wondered if he knew this is the universal sign for choking. I can't even talk. It's still, it's still in my throat. <laughs> well, I remember I, I am a paramedic fireman and RN. So I kind of do you're know only that. about an hour and a half away. So there's no chance I'm going to well, die. It's kind of frustrating because I'm like, I can help you. And I'm looking through the 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 Skype. Don't pick your nose. That, but, that was an itch right there. Right no, there. You, it, it was okay. It was borderline. <coughs> this is like this I, is seriously. I'm just picturing people listening to this podcast going, "What the heck is this?" I'm I'm I, I'm not actually thinking they're still listening anymore. This <laughs> has right, been the, the worst podcast we've ever done. That's funny because normally when we say that we get more comments on that one than any other. No, one. but this one was really just anyway. This is like, uh, let's talk about books, like that podcast that we did. Yeah. And by we, I mean you. You know, you've cursed me because I did a Facebook Live the other day. And on did the, you, did yeah. you like my comment? Yeah. I'm like, the whole time I'm, I'm picturing Peter to go, boring. And then he's going, man, just show me some Audible. Come on. You're like, I, I couldn't believe that it was 45 minutes later after you started. And you were still showing everyone all the books in your library. Only got halfway, Pete. And that's why I was like, hey, do you want to see my Audible collection? <laughs> <laughs> we're going there next. I, I wish I could tour people the digital because so many of the books that I would recommend, I have digitally now. I mean, nice. there's gems that I can't point to. And I'm like, okay, I got to figure this out, man. I don't know if I film like my iPad, you know, or what. But anyways. I don't know either. So, We're hey, so off this uh, topic. Let me ask you a question. Back to your your book. By the way, you're a terrible book interviewer. I just need to say that to you. I just need to I, get that no out, kidding, dude. I'm like waiting for the movie to come out. <laughs> I, of all the people that interview you on you, you know what interview we did that was really good? It was when I interviewed you on your consulting services that you provide. Oh yeah, that was a good interview. That we should just play that and forget this whole book one. Yeah. Do you want to do that? Put put that on, okay. Just put that one on, and then we'll come back and do the book one next week. Just are you teasing. serious? No, I'm totally. Oh teasing. man, I was like, please, please be serious. <laughs> come on, ask me. Come on, you got questions. Come on, hit me, brother. Hit me. I do got questions. So, um, why don't you tell me what do you think are some of the big problems that are uh, facing the church today? When you say that, though, can you say it like like you feel it, like? <laughs> Put some Mr. emotion Jones. in it, Pete. Come on. Ask me ask Mr. me like Jones. you care and like you're my friend and you love me. Peyton <laughs> can, <laughs> can you tell us about some of the problems facing today's church? Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> Pete. Um I want you to know that people are gonna be buying this book. It's gonna go off the shelves. Absolutely. Because okay. So, 
What was the question again? Okay, so if you're telling me that this book needed to be written, what's the problem you see in the church today okay. that this book is addressing? Pete, I am so glad you asked that question. So here's the deal. The reason why that this book had to be written was that the problems. One of the things is when you notice that Jesus asks people to, um, you know, he asks the apostles to go. What he also does is he tells them to wait. So, for example, like they're champing at the bit, man. They can't, they can't wait to get out there. They, they want to go tackle the world. They're pumped. They're excited about the risen Lord. I don't buy this theory that these guys were hiding in an upper room, scared, trembling, waiting for the boldness of the Holy Spirit. That is not the narrative of the scripture. They were excited. Just one, one encounter with Jesus. The guys are like, our hearts burned, right? Like, the, these guys were excited. Then after spending 40 days with the risen Lord, 10 days later, Pentecost drops during those 10 days, right before that, at the end of the 40 days after he'd risen, he'd spent 40 days among them. He says to him, go into all the world, but wait first in Jerusalem. And it's that waiting part that is what I'm not seeing the church tap into. If there was one thing, just one thing that Luke wanted you to know, it was that you cannot do this mission by yourself. You can't run church by yourself. You can't save people by yourself. You can't fulfill this mission by yourself. Acts chapter 1 is the key. And Luke bends over backwards to make sure that you understand you need the Holy Spirit to empower you on this mission. I feel like that is the number one forgotten truth in the entire Bible. Um, Tori said it this way. He said, if, if the Holy Spirit was taken out of the church 2000 years ago, 95% of what they did would stop. If you took the Holy Spirit out of the church today, 95% of what we do would continue. Yeah. You know, what I find ironic in that statement is that statement to a lot of pastors be an offensive statement. It is offensive. Because uh, they do church the way their denomination does church, the way they were taught to do church, the way they saw church done. They're not looking at church going, well, I'm supposed to be doing this differently because this is the way we've always done it. So I, I could see a lot of pastors being offended by that statement. I well, think it probably should be offensive. It it should. And this is this is why I go to Revelation two and three, because when I wrote Church Zero, ching, um, that I, I was given a lot of flack from people for not a lot, but I would get, Hey man, you can't it was kinda like the wedding singer, you can't talk to Billy that way, you know, it was like you know, about Billy Idol. Um but the reality is people are like, you can't talk to the church that way. It's Jesus's bride. So this book, I start off going, hey, by the way, um, Jesus talked to his bride like this. He gives it a butt kicking. And the reason why is because it's getting its butt kicked. Just like us. When mm -hmm. it was meant to be kicking butt. Yeah. And, and, and so here's the deal. How do we go from getting our butt kicked, right? <laughs> Bill Paxton. I can't stop myself. Hey, man. 
I don't know if you're keeping up with current affairs, but we're getting our butts kicked out here. So that was a modified version of that. But the the reality is, is that Paxton. Yeah. God bless your soul, man. And, and so here's the deal is we're in a position today where we could see it turn around just like other generations do. So this book is partially, um, a, a, a call for return back to dependence upon the Holy Spirit. And it's not, it's not like, a call to Pentecostal worship. It's not a call to be a charismatic church. It's not about your Sunday service. In fact, the book largely doesn't deal with Sunday services at all, except the dependence upon them to do the work of the ministry. And Paul says, hey, by the way, those five roles I talked about in Church Zero, Paul didn't say, I say that. But those five roles, teaching, um, those five roles were to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And this book largely taps into that because the next spot that it goes is when, um, you know, Peter stands up there full of the Holy Spirit. They go, Hey, Peter, go home. You're drunk. And Peter goes, No. And I think I mentioned this the other day on our, on our, uh, series in the gifts that Peter goes, No, this is what you see is, is what Joel talked about where the Holy Spirit be poured out and you would be given gifts. And so Peter ties in the gifting of each individual believer to evangelism. And that's what I think evangelism is. When people are awakened in their gifts, evangelism naturally happens. Mm. That's interesting. So give us some examples of, uh, I don't know, getting creative to reach the unreached. Well, um, one, one of the things that I think is really, really important, um, is, for example, if, if we follow that kind of, um, pathway there of looking at people's gifts, the creativity is going to come from the team that you lead. So, uh, if you're a church planner and you're like, Hey, man, I don't know where to start. You look at the people around you, you look at their gifts. And that's why, I kind of started with those five roles and then moved into the, the average gifts, you know, and now we're, we're summarizing with this. Being creative means really you believe the Holy Spirit is going to work wherever a believer is. A believer, at least who's filled with the Holy Spirit, who is walking in their gifts, walking in confidence with their gifts. And so here's the deal. Um, anywhere I am, I remember beginning to feel this way in ministry. Um, once I learned to minister outside of the four walls of the church, it was a game changer for me. I remember just feeling like, I don't know how to, min it's kind of like I felt powerful. Not like I myself was powerful. Like, like Paul says, we have treasure in jars of clay. I'm a jar of clay, but the Holy Spirit within me is powerful. And I remember just feeling like wherever I'm at, God is working. It's just, I just believe that now. So when I go into a place, I feel like God is specifically wanting to work in an amazing way. The scandalous thing I talk about in the book is the way that God convinced me of this was when I started showing up places where God was already moving and I as a missionary hadn't been there yet. And I remember being scandalized by that, like feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of a non-believer, literally walking into a house in Wales, feeling the presence of God there. 
and kind of being like, like Peter with Cornelius. Like, you know, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit falls on Cornelius and Peter goes, he tells the apostles, how can we refuse baptism to these guys? Like, you know, they're, the, the Holy Spirit's working in their midst. And I, I began to realize that God was bigger than me and his reach went further than I did. But once I realized that God was on the move in the big wide world, it, it changed how I saw myself and how I fit into it. I really saw myself as a messenger who shows up strategically at the right time when God is already working. And so, um, again, being creative about ministry means it doesn't matter what activity I do. It doesn't matter if I'm playing video games. It doesn't matter if I'm doing a book reading group, which, you know, I plan a church in a Starbucks off the back of that. It doesn't matter if I'm doing a summer reading thing with my neighbors in my yard. It doesn't matter if I'm going down to the, the communal plot uh, where we do gardening together on the weekend. Somewhere the Holy Spirit is like, Peyton, I got you here for a reason. <clears throat> and that's Acts. That's Paul, right? That's his journeys. Wherever he goes, that's Philip, you know, in the desert. God goes, go in the desert. And then that chariot pulls up. And I tell stories kind of like that. And I go, hey, you know, God couldn't have made it more clear to me than if an Ethiopian pulled up next to me in the chariot. And so that's that's what I want people to know is this God of the book of Acts is still the God today, the God of today. It's mm-hmm. it's not that God's changed. It's that his church has changed where it's looking. We're not looking at him anymore. We're looking at the services. Go to all these courses. Go to all these webinars. It's all about how to make your church big, how to change your service, how to have you know this assimilation of people. Nothing about the power of God. And I'm old school on this, man. But the only reason I've been able to go into the neighborhoods or communities I've been in and plant successfully is because I... I am dependent upon the Holy Spirit. You know, where we planted, I don't know if you know this, Pete, churches don't plant in those neighborhoods in Long Beach. Churches just never start up in those areas because they die. You know what I'm saying? They go into the more suburban areas or even the the areas of Long Beach that are kind of on the border where you can still technically say you're in Long Beach, but you're really in Cyprus. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, I just wonder... What do you think most people, uh, and this is, I, I think this might even go back to a church zero as opposed to your new book, but I'm just thinking about the guy who's like, hey, you know what? I need to go to seminary. And he goes to seminary because he's got this calling on his life. And, you know, he comes out of it of like, okay, this is how we're supposed to do church as opposed to, this is how we're supposed to reach the unreached. Yeah. You know, how we're supposed to go to the lost. And that's not to say that everyone's like that by any means. I mean, some people are, you know, as an example, uh, right now, I'm uh, listening on Audible. Get your free trial at <laughs> audibletrial.com forward slash CPM to Peace Child. Right. And you enjoy uh, it. Yeah. 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 You could tell he had a ghostwriter with him because, uh, no one writes like that. But anyway, um, but, you know, he was talking about how he was in seminary and, you know, felt the call to go do. And he and his wife wanted to do something really crazy and amazing for God. And and uh, and they just totally believed in, you know, God's going to be there for us. Yeah. Like they didn't even really 
they didn't even really believe that anything bad could happen to them mm. because their mindset was, you know, if God is for us, who can be against us? He even says that our mindset was so if God is for us, who can be against us? We never even thought anything bad could happen to us. And I, I don't know. I guess I think there's just a, a lack of that attitude with one most Christians, but even with most in the the clergy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of that attitude of, you know, if God is for us, who could be against us? Nothing bad could possibly happen to us, which is naive, but it's it's also uh, very much putting your faith in God and just but, saying, yeah. like you said, no, no one would go to Long Beach. No one would go to these areas that, that you've been involved in church plants. Some of our church plants are doing. I mean, we've talked about Dave Thomas. Is it Thomas or Thompson? Thompson. Thompson. You know, how they're on the literally the other side of the tracks, you know, and it's just like no one wants to go there. Yeah. And I mean, there just isn't enough of that uh, willing to go for the adventure and believing that that God is going to be for you. I think I think to me, one of the reasons that obviously being a child of the 80s, I kind of like the whole Indiana Jones motif on the, you know, becoming Raiders of the Lost Art. You got the the Indiana Jones hat on the book. Is it just kind of gives that, hey, you know, this is supposed to be an adventure. Yeah. It's not just uh, it's not just sitting there all happy, slappy in a pew and listening to the dude up front talk and then. Hurry up and end so you can get home, or in my case, go to the movies. <laughs> yeah, know? absolutely. And and this is the thing is uh, just kind of like what you said. Like you, you mentioned, like you know, you mentioned a couple times, like, hey, that's got to make people upset. And even like what you're saying, like it's business as usual. And you can imagine that the seven churches of Asia, they were church plants, and they were probably like, yeah, we're doing awesome. You know, even even the the one church where it goes, hey, we're rich, we have a lot, we're in need of nothing. They weren't really saying that to themselves, but it was an unspoken attitude. And I very much see the church there right now. Like we're kind of big, you know, we boom, 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 but we're shrinking. Like we're not really doing well. And Jesus is pointing to them like, Hey, you guys are on the downward spiral. And I see the church that way right now. Um, just answering exactly what you're talking about. This is what I've got a section called careful what you wish for at the end of a chapter called not many days from now. I say this, this isn't a book for ministers. I've stopped believing that ministers will change the world anyway. Steve Addison summarized Roland Allen's point that in seminary, ministers learn the lesson of inactivity. Upon graduation, they emerge no more competent to do most of what Paul did in the book of Acts. Many seminary grads who once dreamed of tearing it up for Jesus become pulpit pundits, protecting Christian orthodoxy from heresies over pour-overs with other theologians yet are unable to do nearly anything that might change the world or even the neighborhood they drive through to get to church. With noses buried in texts, they're out of touch with their contemporaries or as Spurgeon mourned at home among the books, but at sea when it comes to men. If you're a minister, I'm calling you out. But I'm also calling you out. <laughs> we, we've got to be good at more than just talking. Unfortunately, ministry makes us pretty good talkers, But Paul was able to say that he and his fellow missionaries were men of action, not simply people full of good ideas or, quote, empty talkers. Titus 1.10, that's what he calls the the false teachers. Everything I learned to do on my journey with God to make me effective at reaching the unreached didn't require me to be in ministry. 
It was actually a benefit for me not to be in it anymore. All that was required for me to be was to be willing to do something. Anything. Spurgeon urged, brethren, do something. Do something. Do something. While committees waste their time over resolutions, do something. While societies and unions are making constitutions, let us win souls. Too often we discuss and discuss and discuss while Satan only laughs, laughs in his sleeve. And I'm going to, um, can I, can I keep going? Am I boring you or is it okay? No, no, go, go for it. <laughs> I'm trying to save money on Audible. All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> if you listen closely at church, there's an emphasis on telling stories, but there's a difference between a tr- Christian who can tell stories from a pulpit and a Christian who has stories to tell from the streets. Talking can give a mental release for an angst building up inside of us and make us feel as if we've done the thing we're talking about. Without actually doing anything, talking is a way of letting off the steam of inactivity. But the more we talk about something, doing something, the more content we become talking with talking as a substitute for doing. I've interviewed many authors, conference speakers, and thought leaders over the past few years, and I've noticed that many of them haven't done what they speak and write about. It is reprehensible when a guy on stage punches the air for impact with clever sound bites in front of a crowd of thousands, when off the stage never says those same things to lost people. But it's common. It's called performing. As an author and field journalist, Ernest Hemingway was disgusted when he saw this type of hypocrisy in authors. He believed he should never write about something he hadn't personally done. He wrote about fishing, bullfighting, safari hunting, and war because they were adventures he lived himself. He was wounded on the field of battle, survived a plane crash, boxed as a prize fighter, and did more things by the age of 30 than most will do in a lifetime. His potent motto was taken from Benjamin Franklin, either write something worth reading or do things worth the writing. That quote has been written by the doorway to my office to remind me where I should be, out there. Charles Spurgeon said when we hold our church meetings, we record our minutes and resolutions, but the Holy Spirit only puts down the acts. Our acts should be such as to bear recording, for recorded they will be. Anyways, that's that's kind of a taste of the stuff in in the book. It's gonna stir you, and it's gonna it's gonna move you. Um, the interviewer that I had from Outreach Magazine, I don't know if I told you this, but um, she called me up and uh, <laughs> you for did an interview. Tell me this. Did I? Yeah, because I said I said, can you say can I quote you on that? <laughs> <laughs> I did. So, so here's the thing. She called up and she said, Hey, I get these assignments all the time, but she's like, this is the first book I can remember in a long time that has fired me up. And it was just exciting to go in and into an interview like that with somebody saying, and, and, you know, really like guys were buying it exponential and they were tweeting me and messaging saying, I'm almost done like two days later. So I was pretty excited, man. That as an author, that's kind of cool. But, uh, you know, I'm hoping it blesses you guys, man. It's, it's not all punch ups. And I would say in many ways, it's written with a lot more humility than, um, you know, I, I sometimes have. And that is because it's about the Holy Spirit and that made it tougher to write. It's not about something you can master. It's, it, in many ways, it, it kind of says, look, we're substituting the hard work that can only really be, done by hard work. And that is that hard work of getting on our knees and seeking Lord 
seeking the Lord and going to Acts 1. We can't do this in the afternoon. I can't talk. You notice that? I keep tripping all over do my you words. Know how much more promotion power you would have had from me had you actually mentioned my name in the book? Like, I, I probably would have been your biggest cheerleader. Man, did I blow it, huh? That was the only thing you blew. Like, not getting a quote from me, definitely best thing you ever did. <laughs> but, but you know, throw a dog a bone. You're, you're in here. I guarantee you're in here somewhere. Okay, first person to tweet yes. a picture that, that has Pete Mitchell from Peyton's book. You just take a picture of it, what page number it's on. Tweet it. I'll give you a hundred bucks. Are you serious? Do I do, do I get the hundred bucks too? Because I don't believe it's in there. Do I get it too? No, you don't get it. Why? I should get the hundred bucks if I win for putting <laughs> it in there. <laughs> you could have gotten the hundred bucks if you would have said, "Pete, give me a hundred bucks and I'll put your name in my next book." Oh man, I am so playing this whole thing wrong. <laughs> I'm taking notes for my third book, man. This is why you're going through the business growth consulting program for <laughs> definitely vocational is. <laughs> definitely <laughs> is. Hey, I got in, I got introduced as a consultant the other day. It was kind of cool. Did you? Yeah, I did. Hey, you know what? You actually have to get uh, Travis a shortened bio and your title, your CD. I have four emails sitting in my inbox. I've taken care that of all of them. Really good interview that we did. I know. No, I'm on it, brother. I'm on it. So uh, the back of every chapter, by the way, has discussion questions broken into two groups. So this is why I say to you guys, grab these for your church plant or your established church. Run small groups off of these, right? Like literally, these are meant to revolutionize your ordinary church members, not not just your leaders. So, for example, it says discussion questions for the and they're broken into two. Okay, there's discussion questions and action steps, right? So discussion questions for Dr. Jones, the Princeton professor in you, and adventurous actions for Indiana, the Temple Raider in you. And so kind of like the the bottom line is, look, you can't just sit around and talk about this stuff. Like you have to go do stuff. And uh, for those of you on the church planning adventure, this is your time. Those of you in established churches, um, this is the time to really awaken the gifts of your members and to see them become gospel animals. And this book will give them the tools to do that. So, again, I expect to get more thank yous from this book than hate mail. Because a guy who goes, oh, man, you're a jerk, blah, 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 he's just being defensive. And you've seen this. You've seen where I put quotes up on Facebook and guys just, rah, 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 and you're like, you're never going to change. Because if you can't handle that, I even say, if you can't handle some some fighting words from Jesus, because some of his words are tough to hear in Revelation 2 and 3, then you should pick maybe a different religion. Something's going to make you feel a lot better about yourself. Maybe maybe, maybe go to legalistic Christianity or something, because the last time I checked, Christianity was kind of about self-reflection, repentance, and grace. You know? I dig it, man. I dig it. I do. Yeah. So, well, hey, I appreciate you uh, sharing with us a little bit about your book. So, uh, again, why don't you tell everyone the title of it and where they can go out and acquire the book? What? It is Reaching the Unreached, Becoming Raiders of the Lost Art. And you can get it at reachingtheunreachedbook.com. 
Nice. Nice. Well, uh, hey, let me ask you real quick before we let everyone off. If uh, they need help with like uh, payroll and accounting, bookkeeping, things like that, who should they go to? Calm down, ding diddly, ding diddly. They did their best, shadily. Gotta be nice, hostily diddly. Ah, oh, diggity dang dong dong, hell crap. How was that? That was good. I was, was trying good. to throw a, a sound effect in there. For I us. appreciate that actually, because I, I like that sound effect. We've got no food. Come on, you but take that. Does that mean you don't have an answer to my question? I do. I do. Actually, I threw some people their way this week, and uh, they are. SimplifiedChurch.com, Pete, and they will take care of all of your uh, billing, and they will take care of your uh, bookkeeping. And billing. Let's charge people to come to church. Yeah, yeah. Let's so uh, that's if you're doing it right. Uh, join Pete Mitchell's consultant class, and you'll learn how to make a lot of money. And uh, <laughs> Simplified Church will, will will manage it for you. I dig it, man. I we should it. never be allowed to do a podcast in the afternoon again. I really, we shouldn't. This is, this is, I mean, you got good when you started reading your book as opposed to us talking. <laughs> just stop <laughs> talking. I'm just saying. Yeah. Just, oh, I, I was just meant for both of us. I wasn't towards you. Well, hey, um, we just want to remind you guys, thanks for being on. And uh, if you want to reach the ones that no one's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music